Jesus, we thank you today, Lord, that we stand in this place, not on the basis of our own works, but on the basis of what you did for us when you died on the cross, when you gave your life, when you shed your blood, where you took our punishment that we deserved. And Lord, we want to thank you today that we have been saved by grace through faith in what you did for us. And Lord, we will never forget your goodness. We will never forget the wonderful love that you have given us, given us to bring us to where we are today. So Lord, as we listen to your word today, Holy Spirit, I pray that above my voice, you would speak into our hearts. Above my voice and above my thoughts, Lord, you would bring truth, light, life in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout. Thank our musicians this morning. What a great morning we're having already today. And Happy New Year. Yay! We made it to 2018. We got through 2017 and all the previous years. Maybe when we thought we wasn't going to make it. Maybe we thought there was going to be some setbacks that we wouldn't get through. But God is faithful. God is good. He really is. And we are here in 2018. And again, right at the outset of this year, let's be expectant for God to do great things in our lives. Let's be expectant not only for God to do great things in our lives, but let's be expectant to use our lives to do great things for God. Amen? And great things for other people. Let's, let's be aware of the world around us and the voice of the Holy Spirit within us directing us to do His work. 2018 is going to have its challenges. No doubt, like any other year, 2018 is going to have its ups and its downs. But what is going to be consistent, what we will find in this next year ahead is the unfailing love and faithfulness of God to stand by us, to walk beside us, and therefore, no matter what comes our way, God's going to bring us on through. Do you believe that this morning? Because God is good. Over the next weeks, I want us to, to look at the importance of building good, strong, healthy relationships. If we were to look back on our lives, if you were to look back into your past, what you would see is many, many people having investment into your life, bringing investment into your life. If you were to look back today and think about all of the people that have invested into you to bring you to where you are at this present point, you would see a mass of individuals all playing their part all in different ways, bringing and building things into your life. I'm sure if you were to look back today, you'd be able to think about people and individuals that have had a great influence on your life. 
I think if we went around this room this morning, we would all in some way be able to name individuals that have been a great blessing, that have, that have imparted things into our lives that we didn't have previously to meeting them. People and relationships are necessary if we are going to go forward, if we are going to have a great future, if our lives are going to thrive and achieve everything that God wants them to be, people and relationships and friendships are vital to each and every one of us. You know, when you think about the Bible, the Bible is a book about relationship. It really is from beginning to end. The main central message of the Bible is all centered in this theme of relationship, building a great healthy relationship with God, being in right relationship with God, and also being in right relationship with one another. We need relationships. We need good, strong, healthy friendships and relationships in our lives if we are going to achieve the plan that God has for our lives. You know, we can't live solitary lives, can we? We can't live isolated lives. The Bible warns us about isolation. It says in Proverbs, there's a, a little line in Proverbs that's such a powerful statement. It says, the man or the woman that isolates themselves rages against all wisdom, rages against all counsel. The Bible warns us about isolation, but it encourages us to be in relationship. It encourages us to, to go forward together and to be united. In fact, I think it's Psalm 131 or Psalm 133, one of the two. You can have a look when you get home. Three little verses. And, and it's God talking. It's, it's David understanding what, what God is after in relationships. He says, how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in harmony, in unity. Because it's there where God commands the blessing. You see, when God sees friendships and relationships and families in harmony, He wants to get involved in that. He wants to invest in that. And He commands a blessing where there's harmony, where there's unity, where there's, where there's friendship, and when there's companionship. God blesses and commands the blessing. God is willing to put His hand on it. God is willing to invest in it when there's unity among brethren. So it's vital. It's vital that we, that we develop and prioritize, prioritize relationships in 2018. If we are going to fulfill the plan that God has for us, top of the list, it can't be Sky TV, although that's great. It can't be your Xbox or your, your smartphone or your, your, your Apple device, although those things are good. It can't be your monthly subscription to the movies, although that's entertaining and fantastic. Whatever your, your hobby might be, they're all good, secondary things. But the most important thing on 
our agenda and on God's agenda must be to prioritize our relationships and our friendships with one another. And there's no greater place than the church, than the house of God to do that. You know, I, re- I was thinking back just as, as um, I was preparing this week, this, this message. I, I was thinking back, you know, when I first came to this church in 1993. Isn't it great to have Pastor Ray with us this morning? Come on, let's give Pastor Ray a massive cheer. Do you know, I was thinking, I was thinking back when I first came to this church in 1993. You may have heard me say this before, but, and I'll, I'll say it again and again and again down through the years, no doubt, because this is part of me, and this is my experience, and this is my story and my testimony about this place, this house. And I remember pulling up outside of the building, it was a Friday night, in my white laser Capri. Oh! White laser Capri, two liter. I had a nice big loan. My goodness me, a nice big loan to pay for it. And I didn't have the money to put petrol in it. But I managed to get, I managed to get down here on the Friday night. But you know what? I, I, I was out because this, this place, I wanted to be in this place. And they had a youth meeting on a Friday night. Pulled up outside and I sat in my car. And I thought, I'd, I'd got here, I, I traveled down from Evervale, and I got here, the 20 miles, got here outside, and I thought, I just can't go into that place. I'm afraid. I wanted to. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of rejection. I, I, I don't think I'm going to be accepted. I don't think that there's going to be people there that are going to want to know me embrace me, love me. I think all of us have got questions when we come into church. You may have those questions today. You may be here for the first time, or you may have come a number of times, and still those questions are looming, and they may loom for a number of months like they did for for me. But you know what? I was about, I can remember I was about to put my key, my my hand on the keys and start the car back up, and give way to my fear and go home and think, oh, do you know what? I just, I, 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 I can't do this. Instead, I stepped out of the door. I walked across the road and I came in through the front doors. The first person to meet me, Dale Wood, Pastor Dale Wood. <laughs> Come on. And you know what, right? Immediately... He began to take those fears away. God, you see, God sends people to us to help us with our fears. God sends people to us to help us with those thoughts of rejection. And maybe today you've got some fears. There's people around you in this place that you're going to get to know over the next weeks. And months, fears that you may have lodged in your mind that you can't get beyond. And it's not going to be the opening of heaven and and a crowd of angels coming into your room that's going to help you with those fears. God's going to send a person. Maybe the person that you sat next to. 
They're going to invest in you. They're going to help you. They're going to take you from where you are. And you're going to become part of a family, God's family, the church. And Dale and Allison, I used to go over their, their house. They invited me to the, their home. And within weeks, I was, I was in their home. And they were investing into my life. And then Pastor Ray, oh, no, next, before Pastor Ray, James and Sal. James and Sal, right? I'm telling you, right? Took me on, invited me to, to their home, and I think I slept over the weekend, and, and they had this, they were so excited sitting around a table preparing for impact, the first impact in, in, the, in the leisure center. And... Um, they, they were all there with the musicians, and I, I was just, do you know what? I was just blown away to be there in a planning meeting. Wow, just watching it. And then, and then James said to me, he said, Dave, he said, I think you should play the guitar. In one of the impacts, I thought, my goodness me, I can't play the guitar. Just turn the volume down. Do you know what, right? And, and I, I'd only been in the church weeks but giving me a chance, believing in me, looking at what I couldn't see. I mean, there wasn't much, but just, just believing in me and giving me a little chance and encouraging me to take a step was everything. And then Pastor Ray came in, said, Dave, I want to give you a chance. I want you to, to, to preach for 10 minutes on a Sunday night. Never forget it. And um, allowed me to preach. You see, I had nothing to give, but all of these people around me were making investments into my life, making investments into my future when, when I didn't have a future. And then, you know, allowed me to preach, and, and he was so encouraging after the first message, and literally for 10 minutes, I just shouted my head off and spat and... And went crazy because I was so excited, right? I was so excited just to be given an opportunity like this. And then he, 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 he sat me down and he said, hey, Dave, that was brilliant. I, do you know what? And this is the thing where you all know Pastor Ray. I got off the phone. I got off the phone to speak into Pastor Ray. And I felt, right? I felt after talking to him, I was the next Billy Graham. I did. Serious. I thought, my goodness, my time has come. Look out, Great Britain. I'm here. But, but listen, just encouraged me. I'd never had that. I'd never had somebody talk to me like that and just encourage me and just pour love into me and say, you can do this. I believe in you. You look back at the message. And it was probably a load of rubbish. And we're still working on it now. Right? But the message is clear. We need each other. We need people in our lives. The next step, he's, he's, I, I went to him. I said, oh, Pastor Ray, I'd love to go to Bible school. I know the one you've got to go to, he said. I said, well, yeah, I, I, I know one as well I'd like to go to. And he, he said, South Africa, Rhema. And I said, that's the one I want to go to. 
It was fantastic. And do you know what? I had nothing to offer this church. Nothing to offer this. This church. And in, in reality, I still have very little to offer this church. It's what this church gives to me that keeps us coming back. It's what people give to me and what, how people bless me that keeps me rooted in this place. It's, a, it's, it's, it's all of us together. And off I went to South Africa. This house invested in me financially and with time. Do you know what? When I look back on the investment that's been made into my life and, and the, the, the deposit that other people have made, whether it's Dale and Allison, Pastor Ray, uh, James and Sal, and many, many others that have deposited into my life, I cannot stand back and look and think, well, I did it my way. I'm a self-made man. No, it's humbling to look back. It's humbling to see all of the good people. Yeah, there's been some hurt along the way. Yes, I've hurt people. People have hurt me. But even that has all gone into the making and all gone into the mix to bring you where you are. Don't give up. Don't give up on your contribution. Don't give up on the investment that you make into the lives of others because you've been hurt. We've all been hurt in some way. Just keep going. Just get back up and say, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brush myself up and I'm just going to keep going and I'm just going to keep making those investments and being a blessing to other people. I remember the first time that Pastor Ray looked at my sermon notes. My goodness me, after he picked himself up the, off the floor and stopped laughing, <laughs> there were scribbles and squiggles and pictures. And, but it's great to have a father in the faith to say, come on, come on, you can do it. Just learning to walk like a, like a parent would with their children, just learning to walk. We need people to help us to walk. We need people to help us when we fall down and we, 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 we make a mess. We need people not to kick us in the head like, 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 you are, like, like some do in a street fight. We're the church. We lift people up when they're down. We're the church. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We, we, we rescue those who are lonely. We, we reach out to those who, who, are, who are far away. The church, this is what the church is. This is my testimony of being in this family. You know, last week we, we looked a little bit at the man that was by the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. Jesus comes in there. And the guy... It's just nowhere really in life. And Jesus understands that he'd been there for a long time. The guy had been paralyzed for 38 years, unable to move, hoping that there would be a miracle in this place called Bethesda. And that no miracle was coming. Jesus comes, and he, 
you know, we talked about it. He says, says to the guy, almost, it seems as if it was a rude, cold, uncompassionate kind of question. He says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And the guy responds not with a simple yes. The guy just relays his experience as to why he could not get well. And one of the most painful realizations that that man had, that that man lived under, was this. The words that he said to Jesus, I've got nobody to help me. No one. No one to help me. You know, one of the reasons why I believe Jesus made a trip to that place, one of the reasons why I believe Jesus singled that man out and told him to get up off his to get up on his feet to leave his paralyzed place was because he had nobody and that's why Jesus went to him Jesus doesn't want to see anybody on their own Jesus doesn't want to see anybody isolated or excluded or living a lonely experience. Jesus does not want that for any single person. And wherever he finds it, he seeks to eradicate it. He really does. He tells that man, get up on your feet. You know, that man had a decision to make. Whether he was going to, you know, because he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't have a clue who he was. This guy just walks into his life a complete stranger. Complete stranger and tells him to, to get up. He didn't see son of God, son of David, savior of the world, healer, deliverer. He just saw just Joe Bloggs, ordinary man, you know, just wearing the normal clothes of the day. Jesus wasn't any kind of superstar in this man's mind. This man didn't have any high expectations about Jesus as he did from the next person. Didn't even know who he was. And into this man's life came a man who said, get up. And that man had a decision to make. Whether he was going to leave his hopes that were fixed in Bethesda, whether he was going to leave his hopes and dreams that he had hung on to for so long in that place, or whether he was going to get up and do what this stranger was telling him to do. He jumps to his feet, he gets up, he doesn't even, there's not even any more really exchange between him and Jesus, and he walks away to pursue a life of relationship, a life, a life of newness, a life where there's movement, a life where he's no longer solitary or isolated or dejected in a place where he doesn't belong. And maybe Jesus is challenging you. Maybe the challenge will come to each and every one of us this year. Get up. Get up again. Get up and walk. Walk into new friendships. Walk into new relationships. Walk into, into new situations that formerly you've not known. But you can't just sit in the place where God doesn't want you to sit. He wants you up on your feet and He wants you pursuing new relationships that He has for you.
Fear wants to hold you in the place where God does not want you. Fear wanted to hold me away from this blessed place. Fear wanted to hold me in my past, away from my future. Fear wanted to do that. But you know what? The moment you step forward and you, you take that step of faith, newness, newness begins. Today, it may be a decision for you. And it could be, this could be the biggest decision that you're going to make this year. And to, to other people, it may seem like such, a, such an easy decision to come to. But to you, it's a huge decision. It could be just to get involved in a connect group. That could be a huge decision for you. We understand that. We understand why it is a hard decision to open your life to others. We all understand. We're all aware of how naked you have to become sometimes when other people come into your life. They don't just see your Instagram post. They see the dirty dishes. They see the mess in the room. They see the mess in your life. But you know what? The church is a place where we should have trusted relationships where love covers a multitude of sins. How many have a multitude of sins? Of course, of course, every hand in the building should be raised. My two hands and both feet are raised. But you know what? Love covers my multitude of sins just like it covers your multitude of sins. Amen. Jesus was all about relationships. Relationships. The Bible tells us that he called 12 disciples to be with him. He wasn't just this superstar figure. I've arrived. I've got a big, massive ministry, and it's all about me, me, me. Get me on the advertisement. Get me on the TV screen. Get me. It's me ministries. No, he pulled 12 to him that they might be with him with him, that he could invest into them, that he could pour into their lives, that they could see him in every circumstance of life and see how he lived in the high times, the low times, the pressured times, the conflict times, and he pulled them to himself to be with him. That's relationship. That's relationship. Everything in the Bible from beginning to end is centered in relationship. Jesus said, I must leave you. To his disciples, I've got to go. And they're thinking, what on earth are you talking about? You've got to leave us. I have to leave that the promised Holy Spirit might come to you. He'll be a helper. You see, all of these terms and all of this conversation that he's having with them is centered in relationship. He'll be a helper. He'll be a guide. He'll be a teacher. He will tell you about things to come. He will lead you. He will comfort you. 
it's all intertwined in relationship with us and with one another. With one another. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, at the outset of his ministry, Jesus stated the purpose for which he came. And we know these words well. But he was talking about a people group that had been isolated. He was talking about a people group that were living on the fringes, that had broken relationships, that were poverty-bound, poverty-stricken, broken-hearted. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus wanted to reach those people who were mentally broken, physically bound, estranged relationally. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. And maybe today we find ourselves in one of those groups of people. Maybe today you feel impoverished in your heart, in your soul, in your, in your life experience. You know, when Jesus was sent to preach good news to the poor, He wasn't just talking about people that were financially poor. He was talking about people who were socially poor, mentally poor, estranged in their friendships and relationships. And He, he said, I'm going after that people group. I don't want them to be isolated. I don't want them to have this hole inside that seems bottomless. I want them to be fulfilled. I want to bring them into a family. I want them to have relationship. And he went after them. And you see him on every front, reaching the poor, reaching the brokenhearted, taking up the prisoner, setting them free, opening the eyes of the blind. And again, he wasn't just healing physically blind people, but those who were blinded by life, blinded by trouble, blinded by crises and circumstance. Jesus was healing their vision and their sight and their hope and expectation for a good future. He was all about rescuing, restoring, and releasing the life that he had for them. That was his whole mission. It's never changed. It's never changed. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. This is just a little pointer today as to where we're going to go because there's people in the Bible that we're going to look at, key relationships that we need in our lives to bring us to the place where God wants us to be. Maybe today you feel impoverished, impoverished. There's not been any kind of good investment into your life. In fact, it's, you know, there's been withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. And now the account is just completely overdrawn, overdrawn. 
But you know what? As you listen again to his voice, you'll find a fresh investment, just like my mother did. My life is a disaster. No, it's not. What's disaster to you is destiny with me. I was on the edge of my bed, and I said it three times and meant it. I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. Listen, we've all been there, every one of us. And then I realized, oh God, I've said something terrible. Because you have given me life, how can I say I hate my life when you have given me life? I felt so guilty, so bad, so condemned that night when I did that on the edge of my bed. But I meant it. I meant it. I said, please talk to me. Please. And it's right there in the darkest hour that he provides a banquet. It's right there. When, the, when your enemies surround you, that the shepherd comes and he provides a table for you to sit down at and eat. And I thought, my God, I'm just going to open the Bible and go like it. And hope for the best. Right? Lucky dip, Lord. Here we go. I went like that. Bomb. And I opened it. And it was in the book of John. I can't remember the, the exact chapter, but it was in the book of John. And do you know what it was? It was the, it was the words of Jesus where he said, Blessed is the man that hates his life. For in hating his life, he will find life. I mean, my God, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God, I'm, I'm, I tell you the truth. I would not lie. My God, God's my witness. He did that for me. He did that for me. We've all got broken lives. That Jesus is conforming and making and crafting to his image. And by the end of it all, we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to say one day, whether it's on this earth or in heaven, we will be able to say, we are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, church. Listen. We need one another. We need one another. I am so grateful. I am so grateful that when I look back, I can just think about all of the good people that have been a blessing to me. Met my wife here. Woohoo! Do you know what? This church is, this church, I look back, this church has given me everything. I've given very little, very little in comparison to what this church has given me. Came in with fear, came in broken, came in messed up. This church has given me everything, everything that I have today. Great wife, wonderful wife that God promised me. That's another story. But God promised me children, four wonderful children. That, that do you know what? We, we have had the privilege to raise, but, but 
My goodness, if it had, and Faye said this before, if it had just been dependent on me and Faye raising our children, their lives would have been good. But because many other people have been involved in their lives in this church, in this church, not out in the world, in this church, people have come and invested good things into my children because of those people. Life is not just good. It's great to see them. It's great to see not just our little investment, but people just like queuing up. There you go, Daniel. There you go, Sienna. There you go, Eden. There you go, Summer. Investment after investment after investment, deposit after. And that's not just true for my children. It's true for yours too. Children's workers, youth workers, adults investing into our lives. So listen, today we go away, and I think at the outset of a new year, take a moment today, you know, as long as you feel necessary, a minute, an hour, it doesn't matter to God, He's not clock watching, but take a moment today to look back and say, thank you, thank you. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness. I cannot even imagine where my life would have landed up without your kindness, without your guidance. I thank you that this church has been a great blessing, not only to my life, not only to the lives of the people here, but untold thousands of people. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Ray. I thank you, Lord, for his courage to step out and plant this church and steer this church through storms and dark nights, and through high points and low points. And Lord, I pray that you would give us, each and every one of us, the grace and the strength and the courage and the faith to continue on, to be a light in this dark city, a light that says, welcome home, a light that says, we're here, for the lonely, the broken, the, the prisoner. We are here. Come on home. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name, and I pray throughout this year that we would be a blessing to one another and to you and this city. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. We're going to stand to our feet. Let's give him praise for this place. Let's thank him that he's brought us home.